Welcome to the My Chains Are Gone podcast, a place where people are sharing their stories of how God has brought them life and freedom through Jesus. To conclude season one, I had the privilege of interviewing Jake Gonzalez. Jake shares his story of how God made his spiritual heart alive in spring semester of 2009. He developed a hunger for God's word and desired to walk in God's purposes for him. He was on the track to teach and be involved in church planting when his life got turned upside down. Jake shares of his fight for survival after experiencing a heart virus, which ultimately led to heart failure. He woke up from a coma with a brain injury, which radically changed his ability to communicate, move, and perform daily functions. Jake shares of how his life as a follower of Jesus has changed and how his trust in God has deepened. I hope you are encouraged by Jake's story and how the Lord has sustained his life physically and spiritually through such trauma. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me on the My Chains Are Gone podcast. Yeah. Where are you living right now? I am currently in Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina, but uh, that will probably change very soon. Okay, great. Well, I'm so glad that we can talk from afar. So this is really good. Yeah. So, Jake, can you you share a little bit about who you are right now? Yeah. uh, Well, as of right now, I am a believer. I am a husband, a father, and I'm also obviously a son. But most of all, right now, um, the importance of uh, my faith is really the key part of who I am right now. Um, But if you were to physically look at me, I am a wheelchair-bound man. There's so much description, but I am also Mexican-American, and I'm currently recovering from a heart transplant and just living life in in the in family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so where did you grow up? I uh, grew up on the south side of Chicago. I was born in the city. But then my parents moved around a couple times. Um, but I lived mainly in the south suburbs. Uh, Homewood, Illinois is a south suburb. Uh, we lived there from age of like four to an, four until I graduated high school. So, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Quite some time. And did you grow up in a household that went to church, that believed in Jesus at yeah. all? The best way to put it is that we, on occasion, went to church. Church was never a huge part of our lives. So in turn, kind of the ripple effect was that obviously faith was never really talked about too much in our in the house. Um, my parents at the time, and still currently, are, they believe different things. So that makes it hard to, it made it hard to talk to their kids about what was true and what wasn't. Um, So, I mean, we went, but it was never like a thing. It was never important. Okay. Do you remember as a kid and maybe as a teenager, different thoughts you had about who God was? Yeah. In high school, I would actually have said I was a Christian, 
And I guess it was only because it was the title that was, I believe there was a God. I believe that Jesus made the most sense of any of them, but it was not like, again, it wasn't important. It mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it didn't shape who I was. It was just like another thing, like uh, I was a baseball player. Okay. So in in that time period, what shaped your thoughts to even uh, know, like, how did you know of Jesus compared to maybe the other options in religion at that point? Yeah, well, I went to a pretty diverse high school. Um, people of all faiths, and uh, I was very ethnically diverse as well. But on top of that, uh, my family did attend sometimes a church in very far away in Indiana. So I was we were always in the front row, but I would always fall asleep. But I would always I mean if you're preaching a sermon, hopefully Jesus is in there. So I mean I heard of Jesus. It made the most sense. And that made the most sense because when I had conversations with other people that were friends and whatnot. Um, it just somehow just made more sense, but it did, like making more sense didn't mean like faith. It was just like in my mind, it makes sense. So sure. yeah, just okay. exposure. Sure. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. You said in college is kind of is when faith was generated more in your heart. Can you share the circumstances around um, when that became real to you? Yeah, well, I went to University of Missouri because uh, I thought I was going to be a big-time broadcast journalism guy on TV or radio. I uh, went there and immediately found out that I was, I, I mean, I didn't fully understand this at the time, but I was, my family was not middle class, could not afford to pay for college, so... Uh, right away, it became clear that I couldn't afford to go to college. And I went back my second semester after working my butt off, the first one. Um, and there were people on my floor that had invited me to, like, a prayer time for whatever reason. And... uh and I was like, I mean, maybe I'll go. I, it's people who want to know me, so that's a good thing. Um, but it was, I was under so much stress and so much doubt in um, not only my circumstances, but I was, I was really searching for what was, what, what is going to sustain me, what makes me who I am, what's going to sustain me for the long term. And obviously, it wasn't going to be money, and it wasn't going to be my major, which was a lot harder than I ever thought. So, and I, I was big into baseball, and I couldn't play baseball anymore. So everything around me kind of crumbled, and uh, I had to really search for who am I. So I just joined a prayer time together once, and then just kept going to stuff. And then one day, um, during a communion, like, gathering, it was a church ministry, like a 
college campus ministry. They invited me to a, a like a communion service when they heard someone's testimony and then we sang the song How Great Is Our God. And for whatever reason, I, I still don't understand it. It was just amazing. It was that in that song, it talks about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I was like, for the first time ever, that made sense. Which, yeah, I mean, it's still a mystery. But I was like, oh, I believe this. And I wasn't sure why I believed it. It was just like, I was a part of, um, it was just gaining momentum in my life. And I was seeing that people's lives have been changed. Um, I've seen people around me love me unconditionally. I uh, started reading the Bible. And then when I heard that song, I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Um, so then I went back to my dorm room, uh, called my mom, who, who is a Christian, uh, called her and, uh, like on the phone with her repented and, uh, played and God saved me in that moment. And, uh, I mean, if you want to use the term, gave my life to Christ, I, I became a, a Christian in that moment and uh from there it's just been a journey but really the circumstances around that were very unique to me but um i mean everything around me needed to crumble so that i'd have nothing left mm. yeah after that point when you started to trust in jesus did you find a security did you find what you were looking for yeah, I mean, it was, it's the only, the only way I could describe it was that, I mean, before I uh, became a Christian uh, and a uh, follower of Christ was, I was uh, heavily into drinking and drugs and prescription meds and everything in between, uh, everything that comes with that. And so, so I was, so after I gave my life to Christ, something in me was like, it just had to have been the Holy Spirit was, it was like, you're searching, I'm not saying God said this, but I was saying, I was like talking to myself and saying that, Jake, you're searching for fulfillment, now you found it. You don't have to use those anymore. Mm. Um, so everything that I was searching for in the, in college, in, uh, in relationships and drugs, it was all searching for affirmation, love, um, and, uh, really a confidence that I was searching for that I couldn't find in myself. And after I gave my life to Christ, I just. I didn't have to seek for it. I already found it. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. You stopped those activities. Does that mean your sense of community also changed? The people that you started living life with? Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll say it like this, that uh, the natural 
consequence is that people around you who saw who you were and now who you are are either going to be repelled by what they have seen um, and repelled by uh, Christ in you. Or honestly, I made a lot of mistakes early on. Uh, I was very, uh, I was judgmental and harsh at times with people that I was I was close to. But in a natural re- reaction, I just I wanted to be around people who had the same experience and had the same truth changed their lives and. Uh, just in effect of that, I just naturally began transitioning. But in that midst, I did make mistakes and really hurt people that still, um, even some still to this day, I'm repairing even some of the, the hurt that I may have caused in it. So it wasn't a smooth thing, but I mean... It, it happened, so it's definitely, yeah. definitely yeah. changed. Yeah, you're trying. What kind of things did God use in your life to grow your faith? Well, for one thing, me and the main thing is uh, I was in the Bible and reading, and things were coming alive. Like things were clicking, things were connecting, things were uh, being illuminated uh, to me that I never had I see before. Um, so that was a big thing. Um, but also, again, just the people that were around me were also pointing me to what has been illuminated to them as well. So it was like I'm reading the word, but also now I'm being taught by people who maybe are a little bit more mature than me. And I recognized that pretty quick. I was like, I am not mature i'm not honestly i was like i'm not smart in this area i need to learn i need to get under people um so it was reading the bible but also just people around me just feeding me what has been shown to them and what's honestly been shown to them about me and just accepting their uh, rebukes at times and their encouragement. It's just uh, twofold, just God's word and God's people. Yeah, that's really good. Did the passions of your heart change? You had said that you started to go to the University of Missouri to go into journalism and broadcast journalism. I went for journalism. I still love uh, journalism a lot. I'm still... I hate to say, like, naturally gifted in whatever, but in some ways, uh, that was all good and dandy, but I had no vision for what that could mean in my life. So, I, I'm not, I hate to be the, the Christian who says, I went on a mission trip, and think, but that's what happened, was I went on a mission trip to Honduras, uh, and a big part of our time there was spent with children. And something uh, something clicked where I was like, I'm trying to make a, a, like a actual change in people's lives 
third journalism, but I was like, what's, and this is just me, it's not hard, fast, or real, but I was like, what's a more direct impact on someone's life than teaching not only your children, but also teaching um, other kids um, and being there during the foundation of their lives and what they grow up to be. So I came back, got accepted into the journalism school, which is hard to get into, but I had to call and say, like, no thanks, which they did not like. Um, but then I transferred over to uh, early childhood education, and that's what my that's what I graduated with. So your your track in life started to be more towards early childhood um, yeah. development and pouring into kids. What track did your life go on after that point? Yeah, um, actually, right after I graduated from Mizzou. Um, I uh, started the internship at uh, the local church at Christ Church in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, I started there right out of the gate because I was like, if I don't do this now, I won't ever do it. Uh, so I, th I, I thought teaching will be there. And it was going to be there in the future. But if I didn't stop and really learn and invest into a church now it could be really hard to switch lanes um so i interned at cars church for two years um and during that time i significantly learned a lot about myself and uh obviously the church as a whole but um um again my path kind of changed a bit where I was like I do enjoy teaching I do see the value in it I do possibly see myself doing it but uh, I do feel somewhat drawn to um, being involved in starting a new church somewhere I didn't know where um, and that kind of led me to a relationship with a man who's now in uh, Los Angeles. And he planted a church out there. Um, and the idea was, all right, maybe I'll teach while I'm out there for the first maybe year or two. And then uh, dive in and maybe plant a church off his church. Um, and that he agreed uh, on that. And uh, so the vision was teaching for sure, but then maybe also uh, plant a church out of an existing church. So that's where it was going. And now, were you married when you started your internship? Yeah, I, I was actually, I actually got married before my senior year of high, of, high school, college. And then what happened um, as you finished up your internship? Yeah, so uh, as the internship kind of rolled up and kind of came to somewhat of a conclusion, uh, my wife and I, Ellie, had thought, I mean, if we're going to go to L.A., 
which is where she grew up, were like, all right, let's just just go see uh, where we might want to live and might want to plant our church one day, be a part of a plant. And uh, we went out there for a month, went out there the, at the right around the middle of May and went out there for a couple weeks. Then uh, got a vision for where we thought we should move, what we should do, and then flew back to Columbia. And that's that's about the time when everything went haywire. Mm. I'm sure about that. Yeah. Within two weeks of being back, I I felt slow. I felt exhausted. It felt like uh, I was out of shape, which at that time I was in pretty good shape for me. So I was like, I mean, I need to see a doctor or something. Like, I just need pills or something to feel better. So we decided to go to, there's uh, actually urgent care in Hy-Vee's in Columbia. We went to one of those. And immediately after they took my blood pressure, they were like, you should go to the ER, like right now. And we were confused, and I didn't take it seriously, and we actually thought about going home. Uh, But we went uh, after getting a sandwich from Arby's, went to the ER, and immediately they were putting machines on me trying to figure out what was going on. And within, I'd say, two or three hours, I was admitted and I was being treated for heart failure, which I had no idea what was going on or anyone really. But, I mean, it just moved very fast. And so what happened? I'll be honest up front. I I remember two, two or three days uh, in the hospital before I went into a coma for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a tiny bit of things like flashes, but what happened was, as told to me over now four years, was that I was, I was getting worse. I was coughing up like blood. I was, um, uh, having issues with breathing, um, my lungs were seventy percent full of blood. Mm. So I mean that's not good. So uh, no. So uh, we, after trying to get uh, the the staff to uh, fly me to St. Louis for further care, they finally did after two or three days. Um, Got to Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, and uh, immediately they thought I would die on the way because it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but to everyone's surprise, including the doctors, I survived the flight, and uh, I even survived some uh, surgeries right away that I needed. And then from there, again, I'll summarize because I wasn't really awake or anything. Um, like, I think, I'm not sure of the final total of surgeries I have, but I know I had, like, 
uh, five open heart surgeries or four. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last one, and again, I went through a couple, couple significant uh, sicknesses throughout that time. Multiple organ failure, a fever of over 108, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, my heart stopped 75 times at least. They put a machine uh, attached to my heart inside of my chest uh, that would help the blood flow through my heart. And then it, it had to be attached to lithium batteries to kind of keep that machine working. So it was a machine inside of me that came out of my stomach and then attached to two batteries um, to keep my heart pumping. And I I didn't know what that was or what was going on. But when I kind of came out of a coma, they had to explain it to me about 10 times. Um, Because I didn't even know where I was, what happened. Uh, let alone um, what was inside my chest. Um, But also, I I did mention my heart stopped 75 times for a reason. Um, During those 75 times, I had to use the defibrillator. Uh, And every time you do that, a tiny bit of blood stops flowing. So if you do that enough, it stops flowing to parts of your body, and especially your brain. So the brain, it I had a partial loss of oxygen um, to my cerebellum, uh, but they didn't know that until I woke up, and uh, and they found out I, I had a brain injury. Which affected. I I always say this. I uh, woke up. I couldn't speak. I woke up and I couldn't breathe on my own. I couldn't eat on my own. I couldn't really move on my own. And let alone, I could not even stand or walk or anything like that. So they didn't know that. But when I woke up, they found out. Mm. Wow. But again, it was like I, I went to sleep kind of feeling fine. And then woke up and I was, I mean, I woke up disabled. Honestly, at the time I was like, what caused this? Um, but they uh, they pointed out that they couldn't find the cause of why it happened, even to this day. Um, but I had large cell uh, myocarditis, which is very dangerous. And a large percentage of people don't know they have it, and they die even before they go to a hospital. But I went in, I got it just barely before it got bad. So I know, but being at Christ Church, that so many people were praying for you. And coming out of that, or even in that, did you experience the presence of God or the power of God? I think it would be foolish to say no. I mean, it's like, how could you deny? I, again, I woke up not even knowing where I was. So I had no idea what was going on. 
But uh, very quickly, uh, people started seeing me, coming to see me, praying for me, praying over me. Um, I found out that when I when they had flown me to St. Louis, people, a large amount of people, had driven to St. Louis and had been there uh, with my wife when everything was going nuts. Um, and then also people were meeting at the church on my during my flight, uh, praying for me. And they there was a picture taken that still blows me away. Um, but I didn't know any of this until about a month after I, I woke up. So that month, it was pretty much like um, the presence of people. Um, I mean, it, in some ways, that was God's presence being with me. God being in them and them being there. God was there with them, with me. There were a lot of things that kind of sustained me during that time, but I mean, because of the meds, I was kind of out of it. I didn't really know what was going on. I yeah. didn't even know what was real. I had hallucinations for the entire time I was in a coma, so I didn't know what was real or what was fake. So, I mean, I was kind of just surviving, and just surviving was God's like love during that time was just being there with me um so it took a while but i got there so um that was about four years ago is what you said yeah it i went in uh almost a year to the day today almost and uh i woke up august of 2015 okay I mean, so over the last four years, I'm sure there has been so much that you've learned and grown in as your circumstances have changed. In what ways have you known God differently in the last four years? I always want to start off with this because I'm just all kind of all about this was that um, it was just so undeniable. God's sovereignty, and I'm not saying that because I'm alive, like, because I could not be alive and God would still be sovereign. There were so many things that had to go right in the midst of mess for me to breathe my, on my own again, that uh, God orchestrated things for my good. Not didn't feel good, but it was for my good. So even like a brain injury and having a heart failure at the moment, I just was so grateful for God being in control. Because if I was, it wouldn't have turned out well. So throughout this, um God's sovereignty has played a huge part of comfort in all those ups and downs that have come our way. But also, I would say, tied to that is um, God's church. Almost like through the fire, I've learned um, 
how we respond in crisis and how we are to love um, the sick but and the disabled in their families and uh that's not like a one-time visit that's a commitment long term so in some ways i learned through the fire what god church is what it can be what how it falls short but also how i can help uh the church in in ways that i i did know was god's plan before i got sick Right. Your vision that you had before your heart failure was to go to L.A. and plant a church, teach and plant a church. Yeah. Um, How has your vision changed? Well, immediately I woke up and and one of my first thoughts was, and I remember this, was I was like, when can I go back to work? Hmm. That was my one of my first thoughts was because I. I actually enjoy working. Not like, of course, it's hard, but I enjoy the the effort, the process. I enjoy the provision for my family as well. But immediately, I was made aware: you are not going back to work. You are not like going on this church plant. You are not like returning to everyday life. Um. So. I immediately was, it was like a stone wall of like, no. And uh, so my vision changed over time, over four years now, has changed because I had that no. And that no was not like bad for me. It was good for me. I just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. At times I really didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I was like, kind of envious of the dreams I had and the plan, the plans we had. But again, God's sovereignty, I just knew that God was in control of even this mess. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't do something that wasn't for my good. Not, it didn't feel good again, but it was for my good. And getting there took a while. But now my the vision for our lives is... Pretty much like, a, um, again, we're in Raleigh right now. We're going to be moving back to Chicago within a month or two. I've been writing a blog that hopefully will one day turn into a platform about God, sickness, disability, and church. So that's been kind of my role is to, my vision isn't to be a part of a church, it's to be a part of a church and to help a church thrive in loving and serving and being there for the sick and disabled that are among us, that are in our city. Right, yeah, very good. And in that transition, you speak about the sovereignty of God and and having to kind of preach to yourself that God is good and God is sovereign. Did yeah. you ever, what kind of emotions did you struggle with um, as that was kind of breaking apart and then building back up? There was uh, resentment. Um, there was, uh, I was discontent for a long time. 
I was uh, at times I was short with people, and honestly, at, at times, even though you know the truth, doesn't mean that you won't get like sad or mad or disappointed about what could have been. Mm-hmm. Not things that should have been, but what things you think could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I mean, the main thing was I was just discontent with um, God's plan. And yet I had to continuously uh, read and preach the truth to myself about God's sovereignty. And I mean, it took a while. I don't even think about L.A. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do, it's always, I was um, praying for the pastor. Cause again, we've uh, remained friends. So, and that's all God's work in me. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you feel like you experience joy? And if so, how do you fight for it? I do experience joy to this day. I mean, the joy that joy Christ is always there. Um, yet, uh, fighting for joy right now in the midst of what's going on, what our lives are, not what they, not in the future or the past, what they are right now. Um, really what fights it is, uh, God's word. And I, that's such, I know that's such a Christian answer, but like God's word has come alive in ways where it's like, I, I read the Bible differently because of what God has allowed to, and, and, uh, in his provision, um, he's, uh, caused me to go through, um, so I read the, the word differently. So his promises sustain me. His, uh, the words about his love and his grace sustain me. So when I read his word, it's really the only time where, I mean, you hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. God's actual, uh, the Holy Spirit illuminating God's word and God speaking through his word to you. And I mean, if anything gives me joy, it's God himself. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share an example or two examples of ways that the people of the church have encouraged you, as well as an example that was not encouraging? Well, I think the church does really well in the immediate moment. Like, when things go really wrong, I think the church, for the most part, and in my experience, the church, car church, really reacted well. Uh, They were there for Ellie physically, also in prayer. Um, They were with me, personally. Uh, physically and also in prayer, but um, in the aftermath of coming home was uh, it just flowed with grace and love. Uh, and also because of this, our our financial situation is pretty much 
uh, ruin. Um, so God's people have been very generous to help us when we're in the midst of like we've had to move multiple times, we've had needs. God's people have provided for that uh, for sure, and that's a very active way. I know the church has loved us. I, in some ways, I. I want to be very careful with what I say as far as what the church has maybe done poorly. Um, but this is just, it's just true not for me, but just for um, most uh, chronically ill or and or disabled people. It's not just one church, it's all churches again. People react in the moment. But then the continuous relationship, the continuous care, day in, day out, or whatever is needed for us, we have not experienced that same service as we did in the moment throughout our daily lives since. Mm-hmm. So being sick, chronic, I, I will always be sick and always be disabled um, unless God heals me that the church has major issues at times with uh, living life with the chronically sick and disabled uh, knowing their needs knowing how to love them knowing what to do and um, again that's kind of why I started writing about it was because I was like the church if the church doesn't know what's what's going on, so let's say the day-to-day life of just my family, their church for four years has not been super involved uh, with their needs. And that's, again, that's understandable. It's, we totally get it. Um, but the immediate love and care for the ill um, way oh, way outmatches the continuous love and care and community and service uh, after uh, things, you know, quote-unquote, get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the church has fallen short, but Again, that's kind of our role and our vision now is to be a part of a church and to be there, not as like authoritative teachers, but to really be like advocates mm-hmm. um, and just be there. So right. through the fire, we've learned what, what our purpose is in the church. So Yeah, yeah. To come alongside the church and and help coach and teach um, how to love certain part of society that is huge in our society. Learn to love them well. That's really good. And and I know your blog is a fantastic resource. Um, and has I've, I've read several of them. And and I do think it's really eye opening and helpful to read because really you know all of us are wrapped up in our own own worlds and um we need we need um people to to speak into that if we're missing the mark so i definitely appreciate your boldness in that 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I appreciate that. Again, I didn't want to do this. Right. Um, but my wife really encouraged me. She was like, how many disabled advocates, speakers, teachers do you know in the church? I was like, not many. Yeah. So, I'm not saying I'm that guy or should be that guy, but... I'm at least going to throw my hopefully helpful two cents in there. Yeah, taking the next step of obedience. I think that's that's wonderful and see where God takes it. Uh, well, Jacob, as we end this interview, the, the thing I always like to end on is the question of why are you glad that you follow Jesus today? I'm glad that I, uh, that God saved me and that God has preserved me to this point, and He always will. Because uh, if if I wasn't a believer in Christ, there would be no hope. There would be honestly, there might not be fulfilling joy in the in the ups and downs of life. Faith is not abstract, but like it's. An everyday thing, every moment thing, and uh, I just I have no idea where I would be if this happened, uh, and Christ didn't save me in February two thousand nine. If if He didn't do that, like I I don't I I I personally know myself, and I don't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sustained me and also given me a purpose for this. And uh, I mean, there is no other way for me to survive and to live and love my family well. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. But I, I know there's so many things I could ask you about. But I really appreciate you sharing your story and just um, how God's power and work has, has been in your life throughout it it's it's wonderful to hear so thank you yeah no problem it is evident that god is working in and through jacob jake did not receive a setback with his health trauma and current disability he received a step forward towards god's purposes for him i have already been encouraged and challenged by some of jake's writings admonishing believers in how to love people with disabilities well if you're interested Check out his website, www.fromgroanstoglory.com. Well, this concludes season one of the My Chains Are Gone podcast. I am going to take a few months off to enjoy the rest of the summer with my four kids. I hope to be back with more encouraging stories the first week of September. Thank you for listening. Be encouraged and tell your story too.